Chapter 25 Victoria's head whirred as she drove home, the Paganini caprice still pounding in her ears. The last notes Jerry's Aunt Margaret ever played. What had pushed her to enter life? The teacher at Johann Conservatory? Competition with her sister? So many musicians struggle with mental health. Did Margaret not know about the resources available to her, like professional counselors? Victoria shuddered. She dreamed of attending the conservatory in New York for so many years. She wanted the life of an international soloist, like Professor Chang. She wanted to be respected in her field. But what would it cost? No wonder Professor Chang demanded so much of her students. She didn't want anyone to end up like her sister. Why had she pushed her own son, Jerry, to pursue an alternative career in medicine instead of music? The money? Or to spare him the pain her sister had endured? Ice stole through Victoria's body as sleet cascaded down her windshield. What if Professor Heinberg crushed her dreams as he did Margaret's? Could Victoria handle the pressure? She pulled into the driveway and bustled from the car to the house violin in hand, to avoid the chill of the sleet. Once inside, she peeled off her gloves and hung her winter coat in the closet. The smell of fresh cookies drew her to the kitchen, where Marie hunched over the oven with a tray in hand. Victoria leaned against the counter. Hi, Marie. Her sister spun around, flour caked on her apron. Hey, Victoria. I didn't hear you come in. Her eyes narrowed as she surveyed Victoria's face. What's wrong? You look like you've seen a ghost. <sighs> Victoria sighed. It's a long story. One that requires hot chocolate? Marie eyed her. Victoria nodded. Yes, please. The warm liquid might thaw the ice that stole through her. Marie stood on tiptoe and pulled two mugs from the cupboard, poured in the milk, and popped them into the microwave for a minute. She turned to face Victoria. Tell me what happened. The creases in Marie's forehead deepened as Victoria recounted the story. You're worried you'll end up like Margaret if you go to New York? She retrieved two mugs, stirred in the chocolate powder, and added a dollop of whipped cream to each. Yes. Victoria leaned her elbows on the counter. What if I don't have what it takes to succeed? What if I can't take the pressure? Marie nodded. True. Maybe you don't have what it takes to succeed in New York. Maybe you'll bomb your audition Friday. Thanks for your vote of confidence, Victoria rolled her eyes. Just the encouragement I need now. So what? Marie lifted the mug to her lips. Do you think success in New York affects how we, your family, see you? You could be a street busker and I'd love you the same as if you played in the New York Philharmonic. She set down her drink. In fact, I'd love you more because I could join you as a street musician. Imagine the headline, The Homeless Sisters Perform This Friday on Fifth Avenue. Bring coffee and change. Victoria chuckled. Marie giggled, too. We'd make a good team. She slid a mug to Victoria. But, in all seriousness, it's not your title that matters. It's the music you play. Victoria took a sip. Her sister's words warmed her like the rich liquid that trickled down her throat. You don't think I should audition? Of course you should audition. It's always been your dream. You'll never know if you don't try. But don't let an uppity conservatory teacher control you. Do your best and leave the rest in God's hands. 
Wise words from a 16-year-old. Thanks, Marie. Hot chocolate always does the trick. She took another sip. Victoria eyed her. I didn't mean the hot chocolate. Marie met her gaze. I know. This is it. Dad pointed to a large sign on the ominous-looking gray building surrounded by orange construction tape. Victoria, Mom, and Dad had just flown into New York earlier that day, but due to a weather delay, they needed to head straight from the airport to the music school. A knot formed in the pit of Victoria's stomach. That's Johann Conservatory? Somehow, this dismal sight didn't resemble the vibrant images she'd viewed online. Blame the weather. Everything was more difficult to see in this unrelenting sleet. The city had seemed more cheerful and vibrant at Christmas than it did in February. Victoria's hands shook with cold or anxiety as she carried Grandpère's violin case down the narrow hallway of the music school. The dingy beige walls peeled in several places, begging for a new coat of paint, and a musty odor permeated the air. Victoria grimaced. This building didn't compare to the glamour of Times Square. How do you feel? Dad placed a hand on her shoulder. Nervous. Victoria tightened her grip on the case. I'm sure you'll play beautifully. Mom gave her arm a squeeze. You've practiced so much that you know the music by heart. Mom's lavender perfume soothed Victoria's nerves a fraction. I'm glad you're here as my piano accompanist. Mom's eyes glistened with tears. My privilege. I'm so proud of you. Dad motioned to a door on his right. Ready? Victoria drew a deep breath. Yes. If only the butterflies in her stomach would settle down. All right, let's do this. Dad straightened his tie and knocked on the door. Come in. A deep voice grunted from the other side. A gust of cold air swept over Victoria as Dad pushed open the door and ushered her in. She shuddered. No paintings on the wall, no colorful decor, and no windows. The room looked like a larger version of the practice jail cells at Belton. A squat man in a dark suit sat in a spacious armchair, steepling his fingers as beady eyes peered over his glasses. Victoria Pearson, I presume. Her throat went dry. She nodded. Professor Heinberg. You may begin with your scales, Bach, concerto, and conclude with the Paganini. His curt tone sliced the air like a knife. Her stomach jolted. Margaret's song. She hesitated a moment as she scanned the room. A baby grand stood several feet away. The old professor sat in a lone chair behind a desk, the only pieces of furniture in the room. He rapped on the desk. Please begin. I have several auditions today. Mom's heels clicked on the tile as she moved to the piano. Victoria crouched in the corner and removed her violin from its case. She rubbed sweaty palms on her dark pants and smoothed the wrinkles in her black sweater as she stood. Deep breaths. When her mother played an A on the piano, Victoria drew her bow over the strings to tune. The sound echoed throughout the room. At least the acoustics weren't bad. Professor Heinberg nodded for her to begin. This was it, the moment she'd been waiting for. Her bow shook as she began the first few notes of the scale. Get it under control. She gritted her teeth and willed her bow to steady itself. As she moved into the Bach Chacun, her fingers clamped the strings for the quadruple stops. She breathed a sigh of relief when the movement came to a close. 
Not bad under the circumstances. Time to channel her inner Adrian for Joseph Bologna's violin sonata in G minor. Visions of Paris and French revolutionaries flooded her mind as she sailed through the piece, fighting her own battle of sorts, while Mom's fingers flew over the piano keys. Next, she performed the first movement of the Saint-Saëns Violin Concerto, while Mom played the orchestral reduction on the piano. Victoria cringed when she missed the first couple of shifts on the fingerboard. Pretend nothing happened. Keep going. Thank goodness her accuracy improved as the movement progressed. At last, she pulled through the final chord. Silence. She glanced at Professor Heinberg. What are you waiting for? He scowled. The Paganini Caprice. Panic seized her. She didn't want to end up like Jerry's aunt. She spun toward Mom and shook her head. Mom flashed a reassuring smile. Victoria closed her eyes. Play the song. For Margaret. Adrian. Professor Chang. And Jerry. Eyes still closed, she lifted the bow. At first, her fingers danced over the strings for the opening theme, followed by the ominous octaves. Her hands ached from the perpetual double stops, but she pressed forward. At last, she executed the final chord, heaving a sigh as she lowered her instrument, her strength fleeting away with the notes. Again, silence reigned. Several moments later, Professor Heinberg rose from his chair like a giant toad. The Paganini wasn't bad. A few intonation problems, but you recovered. Same for the Bach. You butchered the Sanson when you missed your first shift, he cringed. In spite of your improvement afterward, it wasn't enough to convince me. And who in the world is Joseph Bologne? Why didn't you play a Mozart sonata? Victoria swallowed. He was a contemporary of Mozart, well-renowned throughout France, the black son of a plantation owner and his African slave. Professor Heinberg snorted. An illegitimate child, definitely not someone to be considered alongside Mozart, one of the greatest composers of all time. Besides, I've never considered the French composers on par with their German and Austrian counterparts. Victoria stared at him. What a monster! Why hadn't she listened to Jerry? He'd been right about this man all along. Professor Heinberg rambled on. A true violinist would have practiced three hours a day since she was twelve, which obviously isn't the case. His beady eyes peered over his glasses. However, you have potential, and once we begin your rigorous studies next year, I believe you will catch up if you apply yourself. Victoria froze, stunned. In his roundabout, condescending way, had he extended her an offer? I'm sorry, did you say you've accepted me? His features contorted into a confused expression. Yes, I thought I made that apparent. You need to start work right away. I expect you to come prepared in the fall with the full Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto and two additional Paganini Caprices. Don't waste any more time on the French and illegitimate composers. Something inside Victoria snapped. Righteous rage pulsed through her veins as she struggled to preserve composure. I'm sorry, Professor Heinberg, but you assumed I've agreed to attend next year. His eyes bulged. Clearly, no student had dared to contradict him before. As it is, she continued, I enjoy performing Joseph Bologna's music, and I admire his work. A great composer can come from anywhere, no matter his or her origin. 
Joseph Bologne deserves respect, and I can't study under someone who doesn't afford him common courtesy. He continued to stare wide-eyed. Thanks again for your time. I know it's valuable. But if you don't mind, I'll escort my parents out to make way for your next potential student. She spun on her heels, motioned for mom and dad to follow, and marched out the door.